Ladies and welcome to the Mount Rushmore uh, podcast. That's right, podcast. Uh, my it's name not, is Jeff. It's, it's not the Mount Rushmore su- supermarket. Not no. We're not welcoming you to that. Not Mount Rushmore uh, Cement Company. No, we are the Mount Rushmore, and we're not the Mount Rushmore Clubhouse channel. Have you been on Clubhouse? It's like some app where people are just talking. It's like a walkie-talkie. Somebody left a walkie-talkie on the table, and everybody's talking at the same time. And, that sounds and, awful. That sounds like an actual worst nightmare for it's me. A ho- it's horrifying. Um, or it's like somebody left the phone, and it's like a party line. Greetings, and welcome to the Mount Rushmore Podcast. My name is Jeff, and I'm joined as always by my good friends, Richard. Hello. And Michael. Howdy. Uh, you know the drill. We talk about stuff, and we rank it. And this episode, I have chosen a topic, because I want to hear what these guys say about it. Uh, the Mount Rushmore of fictional shoes. Fictional <laughs> shoes. Jeff, why did you think of this one? <laughs> well, thank you for asking, Richard. <laughs> um, you know, shoes are fascinating items that uh, we hold very close. Um, I happen to be uh, personally supporting the uh, um, production of a production of uh, about a, of a musical about a princess who um, uh, goes to the ball and leaves behind her one magical shoe. And so I've, uh-huh. I've been uh, editing this and people are singing about things about the shoe and about the this and the that. And so that was something chief on my mind. And then I thought about how many shoes there are in, um, in famous uh, movies and TV shows and probably novels and things like that that, are, that have some import, um, whether it's magic or uh-huh. um, meaning or something like that or mysticalness. So, uh Love it, love it. Yeah, next week will be gloves. <laughs> After that, and then uh, handkerchiefs, handkerchiefs, pocket watches, yeah. cravats, <laughs> cravats. The the, uh, the monocle. The yeah. monocle. Yes, this episode is always as always. We are being sponsored by Magical Accessories, <laughs> uh, sales channel thing. Okay, all right. So you know, you um, know um, Jeff, Jeff. Before before we get started, I don't know who's going to go first, but I, I would just like um, first that that to get us on the right foot is that yes. okay uh, yes, i would like boy. to say that we say a quick prayer mm-hmm. uh to bless this podcast um okay. to um saint hubbins the patron saint of quality footwear yes <laughs> okay so dear saint hubbins blessed be by be thy name on this night may our arches never ache may our laces never break please watch over our souls and our souls amen Amen. Oh, that was awesome. Uh, I feel so much better. That was just like in church where I pretend to pray, like at a wedding Mm. or something when everybody says, now we pray, and like, uh, uh." that's amazing. (laughs) Thank you. Uh, It set set the tone perfectly. Okay, so uh, Michael, you go first. Ah, fuck. All right. Uh, my first choice is the ruby slippers from the Wizard of Oz. Or also you, on my also on my list. Wow, awesome. Oh, good. Or if you want to um, uh, kind of go by the book, uh, silver slippers. But mm-hmm. um, the very, uh, probably the most iconic piece of footwear ever captured on film. Um, the ruby slippers were changed from silver to ruby because of um, the introduction of Technicolor. Um, so that they would be more eye-catching and be something that would really stand out against, um, well, you know, everything in that movie is just so, it's just a cornucopia of color, but mm-hmm. the red slippers just really pop against the um, 
you know, the yellow brick road and against the Emerald City and just her light kind of corn, corn silk blue dress. And um, uh, they're just, they're just the shoe. They're like the, the, the movie shoe. If there's a shoe in the movies, those are the shoes. Um, you know, they have, <laughs> the shoe they have, it's, it's, there's no business like it. No business <laughs> I know. Um, they, you know, within the film and within the book itself, they kind of, they're like this kind of Chekhov's gun quality where they're introduced early on and, you know, it's revealed later on, oh yeah, you could have used these magic cues to do whatever you want. Whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Thanks, thanks a lot for that, by the way. <laughs> Glinda is, is pretty terrible. She is, I mean, I know that the, you know, the Wicked Witch is chasing her around trying to get these shoes that belong to her sister back, but Glinda is kind of like, I don't know. I don't know what her deal is. I've been uh-huh. thinking about her. She just like <laughs> pops in out of nowhere. And she's like, oh, oh, these shoes are on your foot now. Now, bitch, suck it. Suck it, witch. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're really balming on this podcast lately, aren't we? Because didn't we have a Cowardly Lion last? Yeah. Yeah, we but, did. You know. I love it. You know, now that I think about it, it, it was the silver slippers. That's what it was? Yes. Originally in like the, the Frank okay. Hill bombs. Yeah. Yeah, yeah they only... And they only change them to Ruby to take advantage of Technicolor. The Technicolor. Boy, I want to be a studio head to just like say, no, he's not going to be uh, um, this thing. I want, to, I want to change it to be this other thing. Like, it's not going to be the Silver Surfer. We, we want him to be the Purple Surfer because <laughs> Prince wrote a song for the movie. Do you think that, wasn't the ounce that like the Silver Standard or the Gold Standard, like a big part of that? Baum novel. I think there was something like Oz, Oz, was. Some people say it was uh, a little bit of a um, reference to the the U.S. shifting to the gold standard or something like that. But then I've also and heard, and then, and then the talking line was a reference to <laughs> to prohibition. Okay, um, yeah, okay. different political currents. Um, but that's why silver being a being a precious metal. I, I don't know if we were on the silver standard before. That's interesting. So that's a good one. So that's that that was one you Richard chose Richard. it too. Yeah. yeah. Joint choice. I really liked it because of the whole I liked it because of that idea of them deciding to change it to from silver to uh-huh. ruby just to take advantage of awesome. This this wacky thing called color. Yeah. In films. Yeah. They which I'm sure become... is just a fad, by the way. It was just no, a fad. <laughs> they also become they've kind of existed uh, there's only like five or six kind of existing pairs mm-hmm. that are still remaining around. And there, you know, there's a pair of them in the Smithsonian. There's, um, you know, pairs that exist out there kind of um, in private collections. There's uh, like, it's just like this, it, you know, it is the most sought after, you know, if, if one could, if one was like a, a crazy movie collector and had the chance, like this is like the one thing that people would, possibly want it i think it yeah. just kind of reaches that like i just iconic status um you know if they didn't uh if if one were to be able to get one mm-hmm. or a pair which i don't think you can <laughs> yeah can wow that's the ruby slippers and nicholas cage's jacket and gone in 60 seconds uh, yeah those two big movie bro <laughs> okay manfredi what's your first choice oh uh, my second choice second choice thank you get with it get the program sorry audience. i gotta wake up uh, my second choice. I hate to tell you this, Jeff, oh, no. but I believe that your story for your 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 story that you're working up 
for your thing is may already be taken. Okay. Because there's a little story called Cinderella. Oh, okay. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. No, never, never heard of it. But there, there are, I'm sure, unintentional similarities mm-hmm. with what you're describing. Okay. For your show. No, so Cinderella's Glass Slipper, which should be... Po- <clears throat> Excuse me, guys. Cinderella's Glass Slipper, which it should be pointed out, were originally... They're supposed to be in the uh, in the uh, original uh, fairy tale version of it, uh, fur slippers, which makes cool. a lot more sense because I can't imagine that they going to a ball and dancing all night in a pair of glass slippers would be terribly comfortable. Yeah, that'd be a nightmare. It'd, it'd be awful. But uh, w- when they did the translation, the word for fur and the word for glass are very similar, and so it appears that it may have been just misinterpreted. Wow. That's fat. Does that seem? Does that seem like there was a l- greater likelihood of some magical person giving you fur slippers? Like, for, I would think probably half the slippers around were made out of fur back in the the day. Yeah, I would imagine that that fur was a popular choice for everything, from shoes to underwear to yeah, yeah. to just anything else you could think of, like a ladle, sure. dinner plates, yeah, dinner plates. <laughs> and oh. I just go ahead. I was going to say, and I just love this idea that the Wicked Stepsisters, and this is obviously not from the Disney version, but from the fairy tale version again, were willing to lop off parts of their feet to try and make (laughs) their feet fit into these goddamn, this goddamn slipper. Well, you're going to be Mrs. Uh, Prince, you know, after that, you could buy new feet. Yeah, what's a couple of what's a couple of toes if you're rich yeah. and powerful? Yeah, I suppose. So the portent that uh, shoes are afforded in some of these stories, I think, is really interesting. But like in that story, this person's um, actual identity is based on their ability to fit inside of this glass, unmovable glass slipper. I would think a fur thing would just kind of just mush around, no matter what. Yeah, it would be more like OJ's glove. Like you could make it fit yeah. or not fit depending on if you wanted <laughs> yeah. to or not. Yeah, like an isotoner. I think the, however, though, like, did you receive, I don't know if it's anybody's list, Summersby? Just that? It was like a, it was like a novel that turned into like a Richard Gere. Movie. Oh, yeah. I remember yeah. the movie. Yeah. But like, uh, shoes were handmade for an individual and based on a last shape that was traced from their foot. So, if somebody had a, a last, so shoes were custom then. So right. it would make sense that that shoe would only fit that person or it fit much fewer people than the shoes that we have. Yeah, now. I've always wondered. It just seems like it was just dumb luck that someone else didn't happen to have the same size shoe as Cinderella. Yeah. That he, that he tried it on all around the yeah the village before he got to her. <laughs> I love it in Cinderella. The prince, the prince says to um, all the kings, like footmen and guards, uh, go thee into the kingdom and and uh, entreat all the ladies in the kingdom. You know, speak with all the women of the kingdom. And these guys have to act like they weren't already just kind of talking to the women of the kingdom all the time. <laughs> right? <laughs> uh, how are we going to do that? Just go up and <laughs> say hi and buy a drink, maybe. Hey, how you doing? Uh, hey, where are we just going to go out and just talk to some random ladies? I don't know how that works. <laughs> I want to see your feet. That's always a good a good pickup line, by the way. I do appreciate that that these most um, perfect um, 
fitting pair of shoes for Cinderella. One just falls off. Yeah. (laughs) She's just walking down the steps and they fall off. Fucking shitty piece piece of shit. And also, like, um, what, uh, you know, in in the Disney version, all of her, like, you know, all of her her dress and the coach and everything is kind of you know transmogrified um to borrow from calvin and hobbs uh into something else or like her dress you know at the stroke of midnight her dress returns back to um rags the yeah. coach everything kind of gets reduced back but like her party favor the thing that she gets to keep is the is these glass slippers how come they don't get turned back into like the rags that she wears oh, yeah. on her feet that's that's what should happen. He should he should be walking down just trying to put a rag on <laughs> some ladies. Some awful thing. But I guess you know. Uh, I love that you're using the like uh Bruce Banner's Hulk pants um analogy. How come those pants <laughs> don't tear off? Uh, okay, all right. So Michael, uh what's your second choice? My second choice is the Nike Mag. The self-tying shoes from Back to the Future oh, too. Oh, cool! Sure. And cool. Um, what I like about these shoes, what the, the look of them is just ridiculous. It, whenever someone from uh, the '80s tries to design to just figure out what the you know the far-flung future looks like, it just looks like the '80s some more. Yeah, <laughs> right. It doesn't matter what movie you watch. If you watch like Total Recall, if you watch. Uh, 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 the Running Man. I mean, I know yeah. those are almost Schwarzenegger movies, but they all just kind of look like they're, you know, they're set like, you know, a yeah. hundred years in the future, 50 years in the future, and all just kind of looks like later 1989. Yeah. Like like, pla- looks like the mall food court from later. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But the um, the Nike Mag uh, sneakers that, that, that Marty McFly Jr. wears, or I guess Marty McFly wears them. I don't know if his son wears them. He must, since he's uh, wearing the same clothes. Um, I, I love that the, the sense is, it's like the like a Jetsons future where things are just kind of easier. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, they finally solved a very difficult problem of tying your shoe. <laughs> you know, they're form-fitting, they fit to your feet. And it's just such a nonsensical, like, I don't know, thing that is quasi-futuristic, but not that futuristic. Um, and they just, I mean, they, they look really fun and cool and dopey at the same time. They have all these like weird bubbly elements that now you would see in like a Kanye West shoe. (laughs) They have, um, go ahead, Jeff, you're going to say something? No, I was just saying, I've seen the first movie a couple of times. I am not a stand of the Back to the Future. I don't know what it is. Good movies. But the second one's not that great. Okay, you can you, you can skip the second one if you really want to. It does seem like like it's almost if Epcot were a shoe. Um, it has <clears> that <throat> kind of trapped the 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 future of as envisioned by designers in the late late mid seventies that came out in the eighties or something like that. Um, Nike has made this shoe, um, has kind of turned it into a real life thing with self-tying laces and Mm -hmm. form-fitting kind of actuators in there and they've kind of went on like a limited run mostly to raise money for uh michael j fox's uh charity of choice i don't know if it's it's like the michael j fox foundation or more um uh or like just a kind of a general parkinson's related Mm -hmm. um 
charity, but I know that they, they do exist in the wild, although there's kind of like, uh, kind of a, yeah, a warning label on this is like, you're not, you're not really supposed to wear these. <laughs> you're not really supposed to go try and play basketball on these things. You're just, you're kind of supposed to have someone come over and look at your shoes and be like, look, look at this, the $700 you paid for this shoe. The, uh, Tinker Hellwell or the, who's the Nike guy, the Nike designer who kind of did the Air Jordan, the kind of big famous dude. There was a doc where he was working on those um, self-tying shoes. And one of his justifications for it was athletes who um, lace them up to go on the court, then they sit on the bench and the, the shoe is still tied really tightly and constricting their foot. And uh, they would be much less tired at the end of the game if they had a way to release the pressure on their foot, the compression in there. So sure. it was actually, uh, he was actually finding an actual application uh, for it that was kind of compelling. So that's a cool one. So uh, dudes, we're at our halftime and I'm going to implore you, the listener, to go back, download, rate, and review past episodes. Um, you'll see that we have done uh, kerchiefs. We did neckties. Um, I think we've got a, uh, a fedora episode and um oh garters for sure that was a two-parter fingerless gloves fingerless gloves <laughs> yeah. but uh i think magical objects or things that are found in literature are actually something that we tend to <laughs> to gravitate towards and you the listener have that to look forward to when you go back and uh download written review past episodes you can also get in the dialogue with us by getting on instagram getting on twitter getting on facebook and searching the mount rushmore podcast and then finding us and then suggesting wait when you search know that there are plenty of decoys out there uh there are any kind of jamokies that decide that they want to be the mount rushmore podcast and you get about four episodes with maybe celebrity guests and then they stop and we're the ones that keep going so um we just celebrated um, five years. Five years. Putting, just last week, five years of putting this out week after week. Just hitting our stride, you guys. Oh my God. So many other topics to butcher. And you could suggest one for us on any of those social media sites. So now we're going to be back. And now Richard's going to let us know his third. All right. My third choice are uh, Talaria, otherwise known as Hermes Sandals. Oh, right on. I thought from... that was the fish. <laughs> that's tilapia oh sorry <laughs> you don't want to eat really tilapia. <laughs> yeah you don't wouldn't want to eat those they'd be a little gamey i think <laughs> no Hermes sandals which are forged by the uh by hephaestus and the cyclops and uh were made specially for hermes who is the messenger god and he could go really fucking fast on these sand with these sandals wow which having worn sandals enough times makes me wonder how do you book it with sandals yeah because I've tried running with sandals, and usually it winds up with me falling out square on my face. Yeah, you just spill your drinks. Yeah, your face. Yeah, yeah, just, but, just flat out on the flat out on the ground. What, was were they made from any magical material, or were they blessed by a certain? Well, they were, yeah, they were blessed by Hephaestus. Um, I don't know who that is. Who's that? He, what? Who's Hephaestus? 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 You don't know who Hephaestus is? <laughs> He's the Greek god of blacksmiths. <laughs> you might know him by his, you might know him, you might know him by his last name, Hephaestus Saint Hubbins. Of course, oh, that's, that's right. true. <laughs> Forgot about that. I'm sorry. 
Um, and they were also these shoes were were given to Perseus. Uh, uh -huh. They helped helped him to slay Medusa. So you might remember them from Clash of the Titans. <laughs> Perseus, I think that Protean, like Proteus, ha had a lot of swag, but Perseus had plenty of swag too. He had a shield. Yeah. Right. Very shiny a, sealed sword. Yeah. He had uh, these kick-ass shoes. Didn't like the classic era Flash have those type of shoes? Like Flash sure. is almost based on this guy. Oh, like yeah. the Jay, Jay Garrick version of yeah. Flash. I think yeah. so. Yeah. Yeah, I believe they did. And and these shoes, depending on the myth and and the telling of it, perhaps he could fly with these shoes, or perhaps they just made him really fast. It's a little unclear, which is interesting because it's a fictional character. So just make up your yeah. mind about it yeah is that like superman where in the first couple of comics the gravitational pull was so much less on earth compared to krypton that he could just bound places and then by episode yeah. three action comics he's flying yeah, yeah I he's think it's, picking it's, up mountains and yeah yeah definitely okay uh now how is this different we think than um we've done fairy tales and right. we have done, I guess, sci you know, fantasy, modern sci-fi. So this is what? This would be, is that Greek or Greek is that mythology. Roman? It's Greek, Greek mythology. mythology. Okay. Uh, the Roman version would be Mercury. Okay. All right. Uh, okay. Well, we're covering a lot of bases here. Uh, yeah. Winfield, what's your third? We're spraying to all fields. Yeah. Uh, my third choice is uh, the shoe phone. From Get Smart. Oh, nice! <laughs> I love it. Uh, Agent Agent eighty six uh, Maxwell uh, Adams uh, shoe phone. Of course, they it did a lot more than shoe than make a receive phone calls. It had like gas pellets and had oh. other little different um, kind of tricks embedded in there uh, when the story needed it. But um, uh, the Get Smart was a nineteen um, mid nineteen sixties. Uh, television series developed by um, Mel Brooks and uh, Buck Henry and it was kind of like a satirical take on um, the popularity of James Bond and uh, Maxwell Smart was um, kind of this uh, kind of uh, goofy a little bumbling um, uh, secret agent that was kind of always kind of had his um, he was always kind of saved by Agent 99 his, um, his kind of uh, female companion uh, he was a member of Control, and they fought the evil, um, the, what was it called? The evil uh, uh, agency, uh, Chaos. Thank you hmm. to myself for remembering. Thank you, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> but um, in, in the series, um, uh, you know, he was a secret agent, so he had all these different, like, um, trick gadgets and cars and whatever, like James Bond does, but it was he had a phone that was just like embedded in his shoe. So he'd get a phone yeah. call. He'd have to take off his shoe and talk into the heel of his shoe. It just, <laughs> was just a real, you know, very Mel Brooksy and very mm -hmm. ridiculous sight. And um, I always uh, enjoy, uh, you know, kind of a satirical take on uh, things that have just kind of run amok. I mean, there's one thing that they haven't really done well is like a satire on like superheroes yet. Like they just, it's, it's huh. so ridiculous as it is. It's hard to do a real, like I, a Mel Brooks superhero movie would be terrible. Oh yeah. Um, you know, I'm sure that there's a, 
not like the scary the whoever did like scary movie or not yeah. another teen i'm sure yeah. that there's like a superhero one out there that's pretty terrible mm-hmm. yeah mystery men seem to be i guess that's not it wasn't really a parody yeah though. yeah sure wasn't it was, it, you know it was mystery men was based on the um a comic book that uh-huh. really existed at the time um but uh I just love the, the shoe. I just love the image of him taking off his shoe and talking into it mm-hmm. as if like, you know, uh, the Dick Tracy's of the world with his, you know, wristwatch communicator, that wasn't simple enough. Yeah. You couldn't have just like, you know, it's just silly. I love yeah. it. I love it. I love a silly. Mm-hmm. Did you guys know that there was a, uh, a reboot of get smart as a TV series starring Andy Dick? No, as, oh as Max God. as Maxwell Smart's son Zach, now oh, the uh, lead <laughs> the lead spy in control. Surprisingly enough, it only lasted seven episodes. Wow. Yeah, this it looks like it's a train wreck. There were a couple writers. Uh, I listened to the Carson podcast, and they're interviewing a couple writers who wrote for uh, mid '80s Don Adams uh, sitcom that was a um, import of a British sitcom about a grocery store clerk. And this was called Check It Out. And he oh was he was a grocery store manager. <laughs> but uh, they were saying that uh, one of the mistakes they made was that I think they filmed in a studio that was next to Santa Anita Racetrack. And Don Adams <laughs> just wanted to be at the racetrack all the time. So they couldn't get him to, to uh, be on set. He was a cokehead. So, um, yeah, well, you know, even if you watch some of the Bond films, uh, the... The uh, spycraft in it is often this obtuse stuff. Like it's an airplane in a suitcase, but it takes about 20 different steps to, to put the airplane together. And there is some kind of stuff where you got to you gotta pull, pull up the battery out of your ear and pull the antenna out of your other ear <laughs> to put it together. So it does seem somewhat inspired by the goofy uh, gadgetry in those shows. You know, that Batman also came out of that. Did you know that? I've, I've, I've mentioned that that the reason the 66 Batman series was made was because they ABC couldn't get a spy show. Like they couldn't get the man from, I don't think they had man from uncle. They, they were trying to get Dick Tracy. They couldn't get Dick Tracy. So they said, well, this guy, he's got a car, he's got gadgets. Uh, huh. He's a detective. <laughs> Let's do Batman. <laughs> like, oh my God. Wow. Uh, well, Okay. Okay, okay. Uh, Manfredi, I think this is it. Yeah, they are. So if Hermes sandals were made for running, then Nancy Sinatra's boots uh. <laughs> were damn well made for walking. Yay! <laughs> um, of course, the number one number one song from 19... looks As he looks it up, 1966. And, and ring-a-ding-ding, if a mobster can't get his daughter's song to be number one, what good is he? <laughs> Exactly. Not, not a very good dad if he can't force those. Unfortunately, it's a slammer of a song. Yeah. So it's whether or not depending whether or not there was some manipulation in the charts or who who the hell knows. Mm-hmm. Um it's a great, great song. Uh it, this great combination of Nancy Sinatra plus Lee Hazelwood. Yeah, I was gonna say that the geez. songwriter, the noted kook songwriter and producer. Mm-hmm who later would go off to Sweden, make albums that nobody listened to until 20 years later when Morrissey declared him a cult hero, and then everyone decided to get back on the Lee, Lee Hazelwood train. 
Um, but this is one of those songs I very distinctly remember uh, when VH1 used to have like a before they had VH1 Classic back in the '90s. They would want they would run a one hour block of like old music videos and and film performances from like the '60s and '70s. Huh. And I definitely remember the uh, these boots are made for walking video coming up a lot because it was like one of the first kind of music video looking sort of things from 66. And so just the song always stuck in my mind. It reminds me of childhood, even though it was, it came out 10 years before I was born. Uh Um, But, but everybody knows the song. Everybody knows the baseline. And I mean, lyrically the song is just as I'm going to quote Tom Brehan from stereo gum which if you guys are not paying attention to his, uh, the number ones uh, column where he basically does the review of every number one song going all the way back to 1955. Um, please check it out. It's basically, as he said, it's an endlessly replayable evisceration of some asshole guy who's been messing where he shouldn't have been. Messing. <laughs> and it's great. Nancy Sinatra can't really sing. She's not, She's certainly not her father. She's arguably not even her brother. Um, but what she can do is tell a story. And then, and her sing talking is absolutely perfect for this song. That's a fun choice. Uh, do That was a big hit at the, uh, that was the, the, the song that usually closed down the, uh, the uh, VFW mm. in Minneapolis. Um, <laughs> and karaoke night. Karaoke yeah. night, yeah. And it was the it was usually uh, the gal behind the bar who I believe uh, had Agent Orange or something. Uh, um, oh not to make fun of our veterans, but uh, she she had a she served her country and she probably had a purple heart for whatever she went through. But she would had the graveliest voice and she would get up and invite all the women in the bar to sing. These boots are made for walking and and hell hath no fury like these women who were scorned hard enough to go sing. <laughs> the boots are made for walking. But yeah. And this was this was originally when Lee Hazelwood wrote it. He wrote it for himself. Mm-hmm. Which, if you can think about a male hmm. singing this song, it just doesn't work. It sounds kind of vicious and and kind of cruel and and yeah. and awful. But when you got like this cute girl singing it, it's com- turns yeah. into a completely different type of song. Yeah, very empowering. Exactly. Yeah, very very empowering. Uh, but disqualified. They're boots, not shoes. Oh, I feel like uh, <laughs> it's not a bad fiction. person. It's not they fictional are fi- footwear. It's fictional oh, shoes. well, isn't a boot a type of shoe? Is it? Is it? I believe I would, it is. I would. Oh, but if a ruby slipper is a shoe, yeah, I don't know. This feels uh, like get. This feels like getting into the like. Is is a is a hot dog a taco like yeah. level of like discourse <laughs> it, we, it's you put it on your foot i'm i i i don't have a vote in it okay um but okay. i think a boot's okay all right because i because we're gonna talk about like i don't know i'm done um uh, those those el fudge guys do those are those guys in a shoe or is that a tree uh okay uh winfield what's your last choice uh, my last choice is the uh, boiled shoe eaten by uh, the Charlie Chapton character. Holy The wow. lone prospector wow. in the 1925 film, The Gold Rush. One wow. Of his, one of his most perfect pieces of film. Mm-hmm. 
Um, in the film, uh, it kind of takes place in the, the, the Yukon gold rush in um, Alaska. And uh, it opens with like this, this, this stream, this trail of people going up into the, the Klondike. Um, people covered in furs and, you know, backpacks and those big silly uh, snowshoes that um, you only see like in hunting lodges nowadays. And uh, then of course, out walking along the edge of a cliff is, you know, Charlie Chaplin just waddling along as the, as the tramp and he goes in and out of a cave and a bear follows him and yada, yada, yada. He comes upon this um, cabin that is inhabited um, by a character named Black Larson. And he's like uh, this really gruff, huge guy that's just um, wanted for murder, I believe, and hiding out in this cabin in the, the deepest part of, of Alaska. Well, uh, another guy, Big Jim, comes along and uh, they get into kind of a fight and they all kind of resolve that they're kind of uh, waiting out the storm uh, in this in this little house, this little tiny shack, one room shack, but they have no food and they draw straws and Eventually, Black Larson, the kind of the villain, uh, he leaves the house and ventures out. Well, uh, uh, the Charlie Chaplin character, uh, he's he's stuck in this um, in this room with this with this guy, and they don't have any food. Like all the, it's all gone. So at some point, he takes off his shoe and he boils it, and the scene that. <laughs> And the scene that comes out of it is just this, it's like this Thanksgiving dinner presentation where he has the shoe laid out on like almost like a silver platter. I, I, I don't remember if he has like a, a top, mm -hmm. like a, a platter top on top of it. He unveils it and it's just like this horrible boiled black leather shoe. And he starts taking it apart and kind of dressing, <laughs> dressing the shoe and like eating like the, the, uh, the shoelaces yeah. kind of like licorice yeah. and, it's, it's like, <laughs> and like the nails of the shoe are coming out and they're kind of like the bones of like a chicken or like the ribs. Oh. And he starts like eating them one by one. And I think what is wonderful is like the guy that is sitting there trying to, trying to eat the shoe. He just, he's beside himself. He can't kind of bring himself to do it. And I guess um, the original story was taken from uh, the Donner party where they'd kind of boiled moccasins Mm -hmm. Like they they boil their own shoes to kind of get some of the uh, the leather softened that they could oh, okay. you know in theory eat some form of animal that has some sort of nutritional value in there wow. amongst all whatever. But like the most wonderful part about him eating the shoe is he's doing it so matter of factly. <laughs> he's so conditioned in his poverty. <laughs> just like eating a shoe, it's just no. It's like just the thing he did, and he's like puts a little. Just, just kind of put some salt on like a you know on a, uh -huh. on a nail it's like he eats it, it's crunching it's just it's so wonderful and um uh i don't know just the sh he's he's a shoe that's funny isn't that uh film also has the first uh the only time i've seen a live action crossfade between when a, a starving person looks at another person and then imagines them to be a turkey leg Brief, briefly uh, oh yeah yeah that i think that happens in, in, <laughs> i've seen that only in uh, cartoons but and not in live action but that actually happens in that. oh that's fun that uh 
I think Rivals is a dinner roll um, dancing scene for comedy. Same movie movies. from the same movie. Same movie. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Lots of good bits. He's not. He's knocking them all out. Yeah. Okay. And the, and the giant, giant chicken and the you know the cross That's a, chicken. A chicken. Would that movie made a couple times? I thought there was like a re a remake or something of. So he made one. it in 1925, and then he kind of re-edited it in like 1942, and like redid the music for it. Oh. He like rewrote music and um, uh, I think that he might have added some speech to it, like hmm. a voiceover or something at the beginning. Uh-huh. Once that you know you realize, oh well, I can just <laughs> add a different music track to this, and wow. it doesn't have to all be ingrained on that whatever mm-hmm. how it was originally shot. Mm-hmm. All right, guys, this was fun. This was fun. Um, it's tough to judge it, but I. Uh, I gotta gotta say, um, Ruby Slippers, of course. I think that's great. Uh, even though it's, I guess, a type of shoe. Um, and let's go with uh, the because it's a new word that I learned. Teophilus, Teophilus, Tilophilus, Tilophilus. Melaria. Meltilus. Tilaria. Meltilus. Yes. Meltilus. Um, and uh, so that's. Um, did I say gold rush? Uh, Not yet. No, gold you rush. Okay, so that's three, right? Um, mm-hmm. And um, um, what the heck? Cinderella glass slipper. What the heck? It's just on his brain. Just on my brain. It's <laughs> off my brain. This has been. Is this our five hundredth episode? No, we've been in five years though. Yeah. Yeah. Two hundred and. 259 by my count. Wow. Those are the ones we know of. <laughs> We're going to start re-releasing earlier episodes and just adding a, a vocal, changing the music on <laughs> adding an introduction to it, like Charlotte Chaplin. All right, dudes. Th- uh, this has been the Matt Rushmore uh, of Fictional Shoes. I, as always, am Jeff. I'm Richard. Michael. I love you guys. All right.